0: power in your name. We we that right now we are pilgrims, strangers, we are passing through. To use a very American idea, we're on vacation here. This is not our eternal abode. We want to live here well. We do not want to squander this life. We want to leverage it, as you've heard me say many times from this stage. Christianity is not about giving up this life so that we can gain the next life. It's about giving up our own ideas about this life so we can have a maximized life here and we get the hereafter.
1: You're about to hear this message about how Jacob blesses Pharaoh when they first met. As Pastor Daniel says, the Spirit of God wants to make us increasingly thoughtful. When you really consider it, how much time do we really spend thinking of others? We are innately selfish, but filling someone else's need is an outgrowth of the blessings that God has given you, a servant's heart. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis 46, verse 1, with his continuing study entitled, Settling in Egypt.
0: Jesus said though they're going to Egypt, there's still a separation. The Egyptians saw people who were shepherds, who tended to the flock as an abomination, as as somebody who was unclean. And so that was an opportunity to keep the children of Israel separated from Egypt, although still in Egypt. And I think we do absolutely, as Christians, want to find the sweet spot with that. We want to be in the world But not of the world We want to be incarnational In our communities But we don't want to sin In all of our ways That our culture is in rebellion Against God And I always tell people The only way to know how to do that Is to read the Bible To read the Bible God, what does your word say? What does your heart say? And we follow that. That's the only rule that we have for life and faith. And that's why we study the Bible together. Amen? That's why you're here. Like, what does the word of the Lord say? But it's interesting. They're going to Egypt. God says, I'm going to be with you. But God still keeps them separated. Some area of distinction from the greater Egyptian culture. Now, as we continue in chapter 47. Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, my father and my brothers And their flocks and their herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. And indeed, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks. For the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph saying, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. So the Pharaoh affirms Joseph's hope. That his family will end up in Goshen They'll be in Egypt But there would still be a strong separation And it's interesting Pharaoh puts them in the best of the land It reminds me of Proverbs 21 verse 1 The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord Like the rivers of water He turns it wherever he wishes So God uses Pharaoh to bless the children of Jacob, giving them the best of the land. And interesting, he also gives them a job opportunity. He says, listen, if you have any capable men, let them look over our herds. If they're good, we want their help. Now in verse 7, then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days and the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. Now, there's so much in these verses. That I honestly, like... If I could do a topical message On just those like five verses I would Because there's so much in there Notice Jacob is presented By Joseph before Pharaoh I notice in verse 7 it says Jacob blessed Pharaoh Now that ended Remember in verse 10 So Jacob blessed Pharaoh The question for us is Do we bless people Do we bless people Now, I believe that this should be one of the defining marks of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That God has blessed us and we bless others. And the blessings that God has given us are the blessings of His Spirit because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And because of God's abundant, lavish blessings upon our lives by His Holy Spirit, because of this, then we aim to bless the world. We find people, who say, look, uh, you're not here to serve me. I'm here to serve you. Pharaoh was the king, but Jacob blesses him. See, we bless people because God has blessed us. We seek to serve people because of what God has done for us. We respond to the love of God by blessing others. And Jacob, he shows up before the Pharaoh, and Jacob is just like, blessing Pharaoh. So you have to ask yourself, are you a blessing? It's interesting. Being a blessing is not complicated. It's not expensive. It simply takes the servant's heart. Someone's thirsty, just give them a cup of cold water. Someone's naked, just give them something to wear. Somebody has a need and you have the capacity to meet that need, just do it. You don't have to be wealthy or healthy or even wise. You just have to be thoughtful. And I believe that the Spirit of God wants to make us increasingly thoughtful. Others focus. Saying, God, who can I bless today? I mean, you know how radical life becomes when you wake up in the morning and you say, God, you know I'm selfish, Lord, but I just want to find someone to bless today. Anybody. Anybody. You know, it's even as simple as if someone's frowning, you can just share your smile with them. It doesn't take anything, really. Someone's sad, just say, hey, listen. I don't want to freak you out, but I'm going to pray for you. The situation. I don't want to make you feel all weird. I just want you to know, I'm, I'm praying for you. If you need anything, let me know. It's so simple. Man, we want to bless people because of an outgrowth of God's blessing in our lives. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now, it's interesting, unlike in American culture, Pharaoh says, how old are you? (laughs) I just think that's awesome. You know, hey, how old are you, bro? And it's interesting. Look at how Jacob responds in verse 9. The days of the years of my pilgrimage... Are 130 years He didn't say, hey, I'm 130 years He said, the days of the years of my pilgrimage I like that I'm going to make a point Because notice what he says next Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life Wow It's interesting The same question was asked to Abraham and to Isaac And they both said that the days of the years of their lives Have been, were blessed But Jacob says, few and evil have been the days and years of my life. I made the point when we looked at Abraham and when we looked at Isaac that a good life is lived a day at a time. Every single day, as we build a life in Christ, that's where a good life comes from. Now listen, if you've squandered years and days of your life, you ask for forgiveness for those. And listen, I have a PhD in squandering time. I lived in the first 22 years of my life, I was on the fast track to destruction. You receive God's forgiveness for that. Jesus died knowing what you had done. And then you say, God, I have no control over yesterday, but Lord, today, I'm going to live this day well. And as you put together strings of days, they become years, And the days of the years, I love it, of my pilgrimage. Because Jacob still had an eternal view. He realized that this wasn't all there is. That right now we are pilgrims, strangers. We are passing through. To use a very American idea, we're on vacation here. This is not our eternal abode. We want to live here well. We do not want to squander this life. We want to leverage it, as you've heard me say many times from this stage. Christianity is not about giving up this life so that we can gain the next life. It's about giving up our own ideas about this life so we can have a maximized life here and we get the hereafter. So God wants us to be fully maximized, all that he intends for our lives here now, however many years he gives us. If he gives us five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, like Jacob, 130 years, we want to live those well. If God gives us a long pilgrimage or a short pilgrimage, we want to do it well as unto him. We get this life by the finished work of Jesus, and we get the hereafter. I don't know about you guys, but that's awesome. I get to maximize life now and later. And we should live, we should live our lives that taking that step into eternity is just the next step. Because we're, we're doing heaven on earth here, and then we're going to do heaven in heaven there. That's the Christian life. The Christian life isn't, God's kind of a bummer. We can't have any fun. Let's just, you know, kind of grit our teeth and tough it out. No, no. God says, look, follow me and I will blow your mind. And you're going to have so much fun in this life that you're never going to want to go anywhere, but it's even going to get better. And brothers and sisters, that's the abundant life that Jesus died for us to have that you and I would live lives here right now that are so like, yes, Lord, this is a God thing. And we get later too. But listen, the only way to live the God thing life is to own today. Say, Lord, I'm going to maximize my life tonight. I have however many more hours And depending on how long I preach for, it could be a long time. You know, it's like we want to maximize these lives. We don't want to be like Jacob. Yeah, man, the few and evil have been the days and the years of my life. I don't want that to be the testimony of my life. Few and evil have been the days of my life. Let's not live lives that way. Let's say, God, I want to live a life of blessing, service. Get to the end of my days, be like, man, that was awesome. I can't wait for the next step. Notice he even says, I have not, my days have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my father in the days of their pilgrimage. He's like, look, Adam lived to 930 years. Shem lived to 500 years. Abraham lived to 175 years. Isaac lived to 180. I'm only 130. He's lamenting his life. He's lamenting. But it's interesting, even in the midst of all of this, he still blesses The Pharaoh still blesses them. Now in verse 11, then, and Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his family's father's house with bread according to the number in their families. Now in verse 13, Now there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house, So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, "'Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed.' Then Joseph said, "'Give your livestock, and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone.' So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses.' the flocks and the cattle of the herds and for the donkeys. Thus, he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. When the year had ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. My Lord also has our herds of livestock. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes? Both we and our land buy us and our land for bread And we in our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. Then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he moved them into the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had rations allotted to them by Pharaoh, and they ate their rations when Pharaoh gave, which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their lands. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow in the land, and it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh, four-fifths, shall be your own as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your households and as food for your little ones. So they said, you have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one fifth except for the land of the priests, which did not become Pharaoh's. Now, What this shows, remember, this all began with Joseph and his rise to power with a dream. Remember that there'll be seven years of plenty and then there'll be seven years of severe famine. And the famine will be so severe that the seven years of plenty will have been forgotten. And we're seeing that played out. It got to the point where people used all the money that they had in their savings to buy bread. And they said, we don't have anything else but we have livestock. And they gave all their livestock for all the seed that had been, and all the flour that had been stored up. And when they ran out of livestock, they said, look, all we have is our lands. Can we have land? we take our lands? And Joseph said, sure, he took all of that. And they said, listen, we don't have anything else to give us. And so Joseph gave them the seed. And he said, listen, you get to keep four-fifths, 20% goes to Pharaoh. What this shows is two things. One, it shows the fulfillment of the prophecy that there'd be a severe famine And two, it shows the way that Joseph's wisdom Still took care of the people Now you could say under this I mean, this is terrible I mean, look, they, they gave away all their lands, All their money But they're still alive You know, we were just in Africa And, you know, a recession in America Is still a blessing by the world standards I mean, let's just be super We have internet in our You have electricity in your homes You have hot water in your homes You have a home You have a blanket in your home That's a blessing Clearly one quarter of the world's population Or one third of the world's population Doesn't have any of those things So we do want to keep things in perspective They were just happy to be alive And I think that when all else fails When we have no other reason to say thank you Lord The fact that you're still here Is a pretty powerful thing isn't it You know what Yeah it's raining outside but at least the water's not flooding our homes. One more just kind of more fun point. Notice Pharaoh got 20%. God only asked for 10. Don't miss that. The tithe. Now, people say all the time, the New Testament doesn't teach the tithe. And I always say the same thing. I wish that it did. Because when God says he loves a cheerful giver and he doesn't put any qualifications on it, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. Because we all know that 100% of our resources are the Lord's. Not just 10. It's all his. It's all God's. And it's super cool that he, that he bakes that 10% as a standard. But when, when it says God loves a cheerful giver, the only time people say, oh, the New Testament doesn't teach tithing, I always say, well, then how much are you giving? The people who are arguing are always people who are not generous. That's what I've learned. The people who argue are the ones who are like, well, how much do you give to charity? I gave 50 bucks last year. I was like, great. You're using the grace of God to make you stingy. Come on. Come on. Jesus died on a cross, and he rose again. Extravagant love, extravagant grace, extravagant generosity. And we say, well, listen, you know, we're not under the law anymore, so I'm just going to be cheap. I mean, it's rough. I mean, Pharaoh got 20%. I mean, how much is, is the government asking for? Let's not even go there. Let's, let's, we'll table that for right now. To the work of the kingdom, to the work of the gospel, to seeing souls sealed for eternity, to seeing cups of cold water given in the name of Jesus to people who need it. Man, guess what? The kingdom of God is always in a bull market. Investment in the work of the Lord has eternal ramifications, compounding interest unto eternity. Jesus said, don't lay up your treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up your treasures in heaven where nobody can steal it. Guess what? Every time you pour into someone's life, With your energy, your time, your giftings, your finances And that person gets saved You're going to spend eternity reaping the rewards of that And guess what man Apple stock, it could crash Google could crash The things of the world go up and down But the kingdom of God is always the best investment to make Always The souls of people The betterment of humanity, that never, that is an investment that never, never tanks. It doesn't. So, brothers and sisters, listen. Don't be stingy on the best investment in the world. And I'm not only saying through crossroads. I'm saying by whatever means God leads you. The work of the kingdom. It's the best investment you'll make ever. Now, verse 27, we'll close out this chapter. So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, so the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. When the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now, if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt But let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. Then he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of his bed. So Jacob here is now preparing himself to go the way of all the world. And he grabs Joseph and he says to Joseph, Look, it's time. Don't bury me in Egypt. I want to be buried in the land of Canaan. I want to be buried where my fathers were buried. And it's interesting, he says, put your hand under my thigh. Now, just so you know, we ban that here at Crossroads. We were joking about this in the office. You know, it's like someone you walk by someone's office and someone's got their hand under someone's thigh. I'm like, that's not good. You know, that's, the, that, I mean, it's just, it's terrible. Let's just be honest. But the idea is is you know that was a, a custom, a Near Eastern custom, of saying it's a oneness ceremony. You're putting your hand under someone's leg and you're saying, Look, I I promise in solidarity with you that we're gonna take care of this. That we're gonna do it this way. So we're happy. We just do a handshake now. Sometimes we sign on the dotted line. We're grateful for the hand under the thigh retirement. But but that's really what that means. It means the fulfillment of an obligation. And he simply says don't bury me in Egypt. And Joseph says, okay, Pops, I'll do as you best.
1: Jesus is real. Joseph's prophecy was fulfilled as the famine continued in the land. And Joseph wisely grew Pharaoh's kingdom. Because of Joseph's obedience and Jacob's faithfulness, the family prospered. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus Is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington 98662.
0: Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here from Jesus Is Real Radio I'm so excited, my book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives Is available right now, it is released And God is using this book to be a message of hope to people Who realize that life is messy, but Jesus is real So get the book now, you can download it online Go to honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold And where you like to get it, you and your friends are going to be blessed To get to read Honestly, I'm so excited about it, God bless you
1: place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel continues the story of Joseph. It's Jacob's time to die and he makes a grand gesture to Joseph's sons before he goes. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire creative arts team at Crossroads, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is